Welcome to the Movie Podcast. My name is Anthony. I'm one of your hosts. As always, alongside me, I got Daniel. Hello there. And Shay. Hello, hello. That's a little bit of a pause there. I thought a little he, bit of a pause. He disappeared. He's, he was building it up. Yeah. How are you guys today? I, 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 I thought about how I should come in and say hello, hello. And I was like, you know what? I'll just say it like a normal person today. Anthony's hosting and I don't want to cause any rift. Well, you know there will be a lot of rift when I'm hosting. Lots of rifts. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, doing well. You know, it's uh, our 99th episode. This is our final double-digit episode. You know, they call us, you know, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, as they say. I call it the Gretzky episode. There you go, 99. the Gretzky episode. The who great was, one. Who was just voted the number one goat on score. I was keeping track on Really? Yeah, he beat out Michael Jordan, which is interesting. But again, this was score, which is Canadian-based. It's a Canadian-based one, right? But still, it's nice to see Wayne Gretzky there. Because he never really gets praised as a GOAT. You know, I think think Gretzky is like, when somebody says name a hockey player, I think Wayne Gretzky is the one who comes to mind for most people. Even even if you're not, he's, he's one of those athletes who have just become this the name of the sport you know like almost like like michael jordan is like wayne gretzky like it's it's funny like i don't think we've even though we have so many superstars in sports now it's like they're always like the the upper echelon of like who of who defined the sport yeah 100% what about you shay how are you doing doing pretty good man doing pretty pretty good enjoying um this nice rainy day that we have here today you you just came back. You you were in you know the Revenant recently. <laughs> what does that mean? The, oh, the Revenant. Yes, yeah. I was in I was in Calgary for a couple of days, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was nice and uh, it was nice to be far away from human life. I honestly didn't see many people there. It was nice and quiet out in the in the forest of the world. Yeah. Did you see them shooting The Last of Us HBO series? I did. I, I had a lot of zombies running up to me and I was like, wait, they don't start <laughs> filming until July. I don't know what you guys are doing. So, uh, yeah, no, I got bit a couple times, people. but I think I'll be fine. I think, I think that's just I think it's COVID, man. I think that's it. I think that's it. That's really Is that it. what happens? That's what happens, I think. Yeah. If you don't get a vaccine, that's what I heard. Oh, well, great. Everyone, go get your vaccines. <laughs> Which is, we're, we're soon to get one, too, hopefully, in the year 2021. Um, fingers crossed, man. Fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. But as always, you can catch a new episode of the Movie Podcast every Monday across all your favorite podcast services. If you want to be part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, and corrections, you can head over to this time with... Actually, you can head over to our Instagram because that's where we do our comments, corrections, and suggestions at this uh, at the movie podcast. <laughs> I, I did the same thing last week. I don't know yeah. why we we've been so good for like weeks. Saying go to at, at the movie podcast, and then this time with came back to the brain. We gotta we gotta correct this in our little intro here. But anyways, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter um, at the movie cost movie podcast and don't forget to leave us a review on apple podcast we're searching for that five star rating you know after this episode head over to our podcast page give us that five star rating because we're 
dying to hit 200 reviews. As well as joining our Discord. And you can check out our show notes for all those links and more. Let's move on to announcements. So announcement-wise, we have our up-to-date review of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's episode four, which was really, really good. We also have a review of Shiva Baby, The Unholy, Godzilla vs. King Kong, and more are available now on the podcast feed. I'm going to throw it over to Daniel for P-Link. Yes, so uh, you may notice that we're using the short uh, little website links on our socials called P-Link. We love using them, and if you run a podcast, P-Link is essential, and uh, and we'll send your listeners to the right place on any device every single time. Check out our show notes for our affiliate code. Um, Like I said, we love using them on our social media just because um, they send us whatever podcast service you're using. You click that link. It will open up the app, bring you right there. And of course, as we always say, we're looking for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're using an iPhone, it will bring you right to the podcast app. You could give us that five stars there too. Um, And it's great. And if you use our affiliate uh, link, you'll also be helping us out a lot too. So definitely do that, please. Thank you, Daniel. This week, stay tuned for our Mythic Quest Everlight review, which is happening Friday at 10 a.m., as well as Episode 5 of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is also happening on Friday. So two episodes coming out on Friday, which is super cool. And then the following week, it's our 100th episode. Our 100th spectacular extravaganza I don't know what other words to bonanza bonanza episode. We have every single (laughs) guest known to man: Ben Affleck, uh, (laughs) Timothy Chalamet, uh, Shay. Who else? (laughs) Wow, I'm a guest Uh, now. I got I I got downgraded to guests. (laughs) I think you and I will be there too, Anthony. From what I I think we're going to make our schedules work so the three of us will all be on next week's episode. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, a hundred episodes. Oh my god. I know, man. That that's crazy. It's such an achievement for us, and we've we've worked so hard to get to that episode, and we can't wait to uh, hit a hundred more. It means we could be syndicated now, so we can now uh, you'll be seeing us all the time on TBS. Well, we do episodes where we uh, we we replay older episodes to represent newer episodes. You know how some podcasts do that. <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna we'll do definitely a clip some model episodes for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do like clip just repost everything. old episodes, clip shows. Listen, episode one hundred to two hundred, we're really gonna just be lazy on. We're just gonna start doing the first episode again from the beginning, and let's see if you notice. <laughs> Imagine that'd be funny. <laughs> and we also have um, a standalone episode that's happening next week, which is going to be our Oscar predictions episode. So stay tuned for more details on when that's going to be going live. Yeah, we were we were discussing this week, like if whether we should include it in our 100th episode. But I feel like that would make our 100th episode a little long. So mm-hmm. we're doing it as a standalone episode, and then our, um, I guess our 101st episode will most likely be happening on the Monday following the Oscars, like the day after the Oscars, um, just so we could talk about all the winners and everything too. Definitely, I can't wait to hear your predictions and my predictions and. Who, who are we gonna have a bet this year? Is this is uh, there an Oscar bet? An Oscar <laughs> Who's bet? gonna win? Put oh, down man, fifty dollars. Oh, fifty dollars, man! That's, My yeah. God, let's make it. We'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what we're gonna do. It's that time, guys. Let's head into the news. Do do 
Yeah, oh, I wow. think Shay is like How, on <laughs> Shay on the West Coast there. Shay, Shay still was that, on, was that really uh, off. Mount, Shay was on Mountain Time. Yeah, Shay was like like a good five seconds later. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's you know what? Honestly, on my end, I sounded perfect. So I was like, oh, it's good. And then you guys are like, yeah, we didn't is like it? it. So I don't know. No, yeah, I, I on don't my know, end, man. it was I, perfect. I, well, I think you have to check what's going on on your end because you were really late. Yeah, that was just this, this old <laughs> computer that I'm using right now. I'm using like an I'm using this old computer right now that it's just it's on its last legs. It's on fire, I think, right now. That's why. <laughs> but, but we're committed. No matter what device we're using, we're gonna we're gonna bring you a show every oh, week. Oh no, so. I I don't skip leg day, okay? And leg day is basically this. Podcast day. <laughs> Podcast day. Well, first first order of business, knives out sequel, the Who Done It behind Netflix's 469 million power play. And this is coming from Boris Kitt of The Hollywood Reporter. So just over a year ago, it looked like an open and shut case. In February of 2020, Lionsgate CEO John Felthenmere said that company was officially moving ahead on a sequel to Knives Out. The surprise box office and critical smash whodunit starring Daniel Craig and written and directed by Brian Johnson. But on March 31st, in a twist worthy of Agatha Christie came the reveal that Lionsgate would not be releasing the sequel at all. Instead, two sequels will be made by Netflix, which inked a dagger-driving $469 million deal with Johnson, his producing partner Ram Bergman, and star Daniel Craig. Deal points were noteworthy. The pact gave Ryan Johnson immersive creative control. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter he doesn't have to take notes from the streamer. The only contingencies were that Craig must star in the sequels and that each must have at least the budget of the 2019 movie, which was in the 40 million range. Sources say that Johnson, Bergman, and Craig stand to walk away with an upwards of $100 million each. That is (laughs) a crazy amount of money. That's like boxing money. You know when they title cards like Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, you're going to make $100 million on this no matter what. But... I'm going to throw it off, throw it to Daniel first. How do you find, how do you feel about Netflix taking over the reins for the next two Knives Out sequels? Man, you know, listen, you know, I'm so happy for Ryan Johnson. You know, I think after The Last Jedi came out and um, a very just loud group on the internet, like was looking for his head on a stick. He came and he gave us this awesome movie Knives Out, which I think was one of my favorite movies of 2019. Um, absolutely love it. I revisit. I revisited often. I've probably seen it like upwards of like six or seven times now. And of course, we had Nathan Johnson, his cousin, on the show, and also composer for Knives Out, um, talking about it. So definitely go back and listen to that episode. But um, you know, this is great news. I mean, this is great news for Ryan Johnson. Obviously, where I love that we're getting two more sequels. I love that Daniel Craig is attached still to be reprising his role. Um, this is an insane payday. Like this is like. Like Anthony said, this is boxing. Uh, this is a boxing money. You know, this is you know what Robert Downey Jr. makes on the back end of the Avengers films. Um, like this is a huge amount of money for him to just get to make these movies, and you know, I'm I'm thrilled for him. Uh, I still hope they get a theatrical release in some capacity because you know, watching Knives Out in theaters was such a fun experience, especially with all the twists and turns. You like that's a fun thing to experience with somebody and. This is another example of, you know, Netflix coming in, giving a very a director 
money to do what they want and give them 100% creative control. Um, and I don't think this is the end of it. I mean, we've seen mega stars like Scorsese um, and other directors partner with Netflix now. And I don't think this is the end of it. Netflix really wants to make itself the platform and the streamer where directors can be 100% free to create what they want. And I think without like the worry about box office numbers, and this is another example of it. And this is going to be a smash hit for Netflix. What about you, Shay? Yeah, uh, same here as uh, as Daniel. This is a fin- phenomenal movie, and I'm very shook by the amount of money that they're walking away with. Because when you think of Knives Out, you don't think of this giant blockbuster film. Um, so this is this is definitely. Uh, I'm I'm just excited for them. I think Ryan Johnson deserves this. He got so much hate for the Last Jedi, um, and you know what? Like, if this means more original and creative storytelling is in the works, I'm all here for it. I am nervous though for Netflix. I feel like they just keep digging themselves in this debt hole, and I really hope it doesn't screw them in the end. I really wonder when it's gonna ha- what what their profits are gonna look like soon. All it really means, though, is they're just going to keep raising the prices of Netflix, and that's just going to really make me uncomfortable, but we'll see what happens. Definitely. You know, to tell you the truth, guys, I, I still haven't watched Knives Out. I own it, but I have not watched it. And I know Damn, y- dude. you guys are annoyed about that fact, but... Um... <laughs> Listen, man, we're going to get Nathan Johnson back on the show <laughs> and get you to be like, yo, Anthony, what's up, man? You said you loved my movie. I, yeah. Well, you know, I loved it for that <laughs> that segment, but then I haven't watched it yet. But um, uh, you definitely should, man. You definitely. Should. I know. I, I have it. I own it. It's crazy. I just I have to be in the mood to watch, you know, a, a whodunit movie, and um, I just haven't been in that mood yet. But I will watch it before the sequels come out for sure. Uh, it just this this story just says a lot about studios and where directors want to work because. With everything that's been happening in the past couple of months, especially with the Justice League and studios just being so involved that it actually hurt that movie to the point of like making it such a like a pandemic of awful experience for everyone. It, it says a lot about Netflix giving that creative control and giving their directors creative control. I think that's what directors want. They don't want you know people telling them how they should make their movie or how executives come in and they say, no, 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 this is not how, now it's not going to work for me. I want to change that way. I think that's why a lot of people love going to Netflix, especially Scorsese and now Ryan Johnson. And I think more directors will head that way just because there is, there's a power struggle between executives and directors for the vision of a movie. Executives will always see it as this money profit while directors will see it as an art form. And Netflix kind of is the middleman right now saying, hey, uh, you will give you the money. Just make sure that Daniel Craig's in it and you have creative control. Right. And, and I think exactly what you said, Anthony. I think this things like this, you know, streaming has already changed the way we watch movies at home. And I think now that there are so many streaming players in the game, this is really like uh, deals like this are really going to change Hollywood and pivot Hollywood of how movies are made now. Um, not just how we watch them. It's going to be how they're made. And, um, you know, like we said, everybody's always planning their, like, you know, they're picking their draft picks. You know, Ryan Johnson is another big one. You know, now he's lo- he's still on. He said he's still working on his Star Wars movies, but now he has two Knives Out movies coming out first. 
And those are going to be for Netflix, a competitor to Disney. And what's that going to look like? You know, last year, um, these films are going to be released by Lionsgate. Now Lionsgate is cut out of the equation entirely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously the pandemic plays into that. And I don't know what Netflix did to, you know, to get him out of the contract or to sway him away. But they're doing what a lot of streamers are doing is they're really trying to like, hey, be like, hey, you have 100% creative control. Here's a buttload of money. Take it and come work, come make movies here. And don't have, you don't have to worry about the studio system. You don't have to worry about box office numbers. It's what you want. And I think that works out great for the directors and it works out great for us because we get to watch it at home on demand whenever we want. Um, but it's things like this where it's going to hurt you know, the big five studios or the big four studios now in uh, movie theaters. 100%. 100%. And moving on to our second order of business, second, order, uh, second news story, uh, Justice League screenwriter Chris Terrio is super pissed off. And this is coming from Anthony Brez- Bresnikan of Variety, Vanity Fair, sorry. Uh, for, for five years, the Oscar-winning screenwriter of Argo kept his mouth shut about his work on the DC films Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. Even as a scorn from critics and fans exacerbated a re- already painful behind-the-scenes memories. Worst of all, Terrio agreed with many of their complaints. He described the films that Warner Brothers uh, released to theaters in 2016 and 17 as incoherent misfires, undermined by corporate meddling, poor franchise planning, and tone-deaf decisions that prioritize costly VFX sequences over coherent storytelling. Terrio believes that Zack Snyder's director's cut of both are much stronger if still impactful movies, an overall vindication of their work together. Terrio even admits he tried to take his name off the 2017 cut of the DCEU film. Shay, how do you, are you surprised that Chris is this pissed off with the whole experience? Uh, yeah, I, I would assume that anyone within a 10-mile radius of the DCEU is just livid because I mean, reading this article, it it was brilliant. I think he, I think what he said was, was very well put and his frustration, you can totally feel it. And I'm so excited for what's going to come out down the road because I feel like now most of the NDAs are up and more people will start to come out. I mean, I don't think any of the big actors will say anything. I don't think Ben or Gal will have anything to say, or maybe even Henry, um, but man, this is, he, he's just super upset. And I, you know, a lot of the, the things that he talked about, he, he takes it on the chin pretty well too. And he says, listen, I get it. Some people won't like this and some people won't, won't like that, but that's not what I did. I did this and then the studio changed it and did that instead. So to hear his frustration, I, I felt bad and I, I felt bad for making, maybe making fun of it my own and his, his decisions that when I watched the movie, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Little do I know, he probably didn't do that. And it was just a studio at the very end that made that decision. So I feel bad for a lot of these creatives. And Chris Dario really has, he's, he's been really, you know, dragged through the mud with, you know, Justice League, Batman vs. Superman, and on top of that, Rise of Skywalker. I really want the story about what happened with Rise of Skywalker because that one's just a very interesting one too because that's Disney. But uh, yeah, I just feel bad for him here. And I think he has the right to be upset. What about you, Daniel? 
Yeah, you know, I think just echoing what Shay said, you know, like this is a this is a great article. It's a lengthy article, uh, but definitely, I we encourage you if you if you have some time, read it because he really dives into you know how he was brought on. You know, Warner Brothers brought him on because he was you know he was Ben Affleck's you know uh, uh, partner, I guess like I guess with Argo and the writer and things like that. So you know, he basically says you know Warner Brothers pretty much brought me on you know to you know kind of to appease Ben Affleck and from him joining that movie and writing and you know he definitely made it a lot more uh batman versus Superman a lot more complicated but he also said that you know they already had a script for it and he already hated he was saying how much he hated the name batman versus superman it's how dumb of a name it is mm-hmm. um and there were so many things that had already done before he really got there so he wanted to you know kind of develop it in other ways and then obviously we all know what happened with with the justice league in 2017 we've gone over it a million times on this show um you know it it is what it is and you know it's it's the nature of the beast when you're developing within a studio and uh you know i there are definitely decisions that you know chris terrio and Zack Snyder wrote in those films that i'm not a fan of um but again it's it's one of those things where it's like was this how they wrote it or is this how the studio changed it um, it's a, probably a mix of both, um, and and it, again, it there's no changing it now. You know, the DC EU it is where it is right now because of a lot of different elements. Um, you know, it's easy to blame Warner Brothers for everything, but there is also a creative uh, uh, vision that Snyder started out with too. And I think once Warner Brothers got cold feet with that, and all those executives have since left, you're you're left with this mess of a, a universe with different people coming in to pick up the pieces now and try and make it coherent and work as a story. But here we are now. I mean, uh, like Shay said, I, I just want to see more talking out. I want to know more about what happened with, with his experience and, mm-hmm. and especially with star Wars too. Cause again, I don't really know what happened too much with star Wars. I think star Wars didn't suffer too much from the studio interference other than obviously Colin Trevorrow, because this film was made pretty quickly. I mean, um, Rise of Skywalker, I think it was just more JJ and Chris Terrio trying to come up with the story. We, I know Palpatine was always something that they wanted to bring back, according to Kathleen Kennedy, but I don't know. I mean, we, here we are now. So we're still talking about it years later. So at least it's, it's made a mark in some capacity, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Justice League film. I think will be studied in 20 years because this movie has had so much going on for it in the past five years and no one seems to be happy with it uh, until the, you know, the Zack Snyder release, everyone from actors to creators to executives were just not working for this film. And we even heard, I think it was it this week about Wonder Woman, um, Joss Whedon, like telling Gal Gadot that she wasn't going to have a career. Yeah, he was threatening her, saying that he's going to, you know, interfere on Wonder Woman 1984 um, and stuff like that. And a, there was a rumor too that Ben was trying to get the cast to walk out. And exactly what you said, Anthony. You know, like these films. I think you could. It's like film school. You know, like put <laughs> study the 2017 one and study the Snyder cut and just be like, look at the decisions that were made here, and then. I just want, I literally just want uh, like a third party to make like a, a documentary about everything that just covers everything. No holding back. 
Mm-hmm. Just give us everything. Release that documentary, you know? Yeah, that would be that would be really good. Let's move on to some sad news. Paramount shuffles dates for Mission Impossible, Top Gun, Snake Eyes, and more. And this is coming from Aaron Couch of THR. So Paramount made a number of changes to his release dates, uh, release date calendar Friday, including shifting several of Tom Cruise's tent poles. Top Gun Maverick will now open November 19th, 2021, back four months from its previous date of July 2nd, 2021. Mission Impossible 7, meanwhile, will open May 27th, 2022, after vacating its November 19th, 2021 date. That will be followed by Mission Impossible 8, now due out July 7th, 2023, from its previous November 4th, 2022 date. The studio also moved up its G.I. Joe spinoff, Snake Eyes, to July 23rd, 2021, from its previous date of October 22nd. Dungeons & Dragons moves back 10 months to March 3rd, 2023, with an untitled Star Trek feature has been put on the calendar for June 9th, 2023. Other titles with new or shifting dates include Jackass, pushed back one month to October 22nd, 2021, an untitled Bee Gees film set for November 4th, 2022, the shrinking of Treehorn for November 10th, 2023, and an untitled Ryan Reynolds slash John Krasinski film set for November 17th, 2023. My God, I feel like I've said either 2022 or 2023 a billion times in that. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers. But let's talk about the big one. And I'm going to throw it off to you, Daniel, because you, you messaged us and you were super super disappointed Listen, how do you man, feel about it i'm just so pissed off that i have to wait 10 more months to watch dungeons and dragons like 20, march 3rd 2023 are you kidding me uh no obviously of course we we're talking about mission impossible um you know this film was supposed to come out this july uh they're still shooting it obviously with all the delays and everything like that so um i don't blame them i think we knew in our hearts that this delay was coming but you know selfishly I really wanted to watch that movie this year, but at least May is not, it's still over a year away, but it's not like, it's not like deep into the summer. You know, it's early in the summer. It's May. It's, it's still good. It's still good. Um, Top Gun, again, you know, this movie was supposed to come out last July. Now we're only going to be watching it this November. I mean, obviously dates change all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if things shuffle around still. I mean, hopefully we'll be in a lot better of a place in a couple months, but you know, with movie with movies kind of planting their flag in certain dates i mean once it's once a blockbuster has moved um we already see that other films start taking the places around it right because that frees up uh that frees up those dates for other movies to make money but uh yeah it's a bummer but you know delays we're, we're used to them by now so mm-hmm. it's just a matter of just rolling with it and and waiting we're going to have a lot to watch in the meantime though so i'm not I'm not. I'm. I'm sad, but at least we're going to have a lot of films uh, starting this summer to build us up until next May. A hundred percent. What about you, Shay? Yeah, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm bummed out, but I, I'll be honest. I expected Mission Impossible to get pushed. I just didn't expect it to get pushed this far back. Um, but at this point. None of the. I'm kind of numb to it now. I'm very desensitized by delays. Uh, I don't believe anything is coming out until I'm a couple of days away from seeing it. 
Uh, even the movies that are coming out in a week or two, I'll be like, sure, sure, I believe you. Until I'm watching that film, I, I think everything is delayed. That's just how I'm working right now. That's just how I don't get hurt. <laughs> is Mortal Kombat coming out next week? I don't believe it. <laughs> um, with, Until the credits roll on that film, do have, I don't believe do I've s- seen it. <laughs> Sorry, I was just uh, I was talking and then Shay came in for a second. <laughs> um, but with these new film delays, do you have higher expectations for these films to be pristine when they do come out? Like they are getting more time to make these movies. I feel I, like even Top Gun being opening in November now. Was it November? Yeah, November. Do you do you have? more expectation that this should be a polished, beautiful film and there shouldn't be any hiccups or issues with the story or visual effects. They've had tons of times to make this movie um, perfect in a sense. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because I, I, I honestly, I think what happens when these films are locked like Black Widow, like probably top gun is like a lot of these films like they're locked they're probably just sitting on a hard drive just waiting i don't think directors are going to go back or any studio is going to go back and try and tinker with them i honestly just think they're just sitting on a hard drive waiting to be um waiting to for their day in the sun you know i think that's that's all it all it is uh but it does build up the anticipation to see them you know as as much as i'm excited for black widow and I, I can't wait for that movie, but I don't think I'm going to start getting excited to it again because I've had my ex- my excitement. I, I think COVID really just delayed how you know my body kinds to build up the anticipation for movies and the hype for movies. Where you know I could be excited all year for Black Widow, but as soon as it was it was it went through the rigmarole last year with being delayed a bunch of times, it's like you're getting excited and then nothing happens, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're getting excited. And then nothing happens. And so right now I'm just like, I'm excited, but I'm not like, think it's not top of my head yet until it's like, I know for certain it's coming out. You know, I know for certain when I'm sitting in my chair, you know, either in a theater or at home, knowing that I, I'm about to watch this is when I'm going to start to get excited again, of course. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Shay? No, I, I think Daniel pretty much took the words out of my mouth. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Let's move on to our last story. Italy abolishes film, film censorship, ending government power to ban movies. And this is coming from Nick Vivarelli from Variety. Italy has officially abolished film censorship by scrapping legislation that since 1913 has allowed the government to censor scenes and ban movies, such as, most famously, Pier Paolo's Pausolini's Salo or the 120 days of Sodom. And Bernardo Baratucci's last tango in Paris. The move, which is symbolically important through censorship, is de facto no longer practiced. Definitive, definitively does away with the systems of controls and interventions that still allow the Italian state to intervene on the freedom of artists. Hundreds of films from all over the world have been banned locally during the past decade for religious, moral, and political reasons. Under the new decree, film distributors will self 
classify their own movies based on existing audience age brackets, such as over 14 or age 12 plus if accompanied by a parent, and over 18 or 16 plus accompanied by adults. What do you think, Shay? About I know Shay is very vocal on um, the censorship scene, and he knows his stuff about you know how we censor in Canada. But how do you feel about Italy abolishing film censorship? Uh, I think it's great. I think uh, removing the the government out of film is is a great step forward. It uh, it really complicates things. I mean, I know China still has this issue right now where, you know, movies have to be made a certain way and they have to include certain, <coughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. They have to include certain, uh, you know, uh, they propaganda. have to fit in a certain category and propaganda sometimes even, you know, uh, but to, to remove this element out of, out of, out of movies is a great way for creatives to kind of free up. Um, I don't know how big of a market Italy is for films. I, I don't imagine it's a large one, but any barriers being removed for creatives and studios is, is always a plus. Um, I hope other countries that are following this similar method uh, also remove it and just kind of leave it to a a film board. Uh, personally, I'm not a fan of film censorship and ratings anyways. I feel it gets really complicated because it gets really nitty gritty. Sometimes you know, oh, two more drops of blood here or seeing the F word twice will change it from this rating to this rating, I think is just kind of silly and arbitrary. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road that starts making a change as well. Mm-hmm. I was I was shocked that they had the government was still kind of manage their their censorship. I didn't know that. And like, because I, I know in, in Canada and North America, we have our, our film board and to hear that, you know, the government was still you know, reviewing these films and, and censoring them. It just, it was so archaic to me to hear that this was happening. Uh, what about you, Daniel? Yeah, you know, I, I think exactly what Chase said and, and what you're saying, Anthony. I think film censorship, and I'm not talking, and when we say film censorship, I don't mean just like bleeping out words or stuff like that. It's actually just having to have a film screen before in front of a government panel to be like, oh, yes, this is acceptable for our citizens is, is very strange um and it does feel very archaic um and i think and i hope this is something that going forward uh you know studios and you know countries support this and follow suit with this because i think it should always come down to choice i think it always should always be up to the viewer to decide do i want to watch this movie or not give me the ratings give me what what to look out for of course but don't let the author have to change you know what they're making unless it's i guess like super just ridiculous i don't know but it, 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 i think the film censorship idea is interesting but um i think that it, it when it comes down to certain countries maybe censoring what could be said about the country itself that's where you're running into problems so i think you know just this week alone i, I just pulled up the article it was on april 2nd um, you know, China said that all cinemas have to screen a propaganda films at least twice a week where it's like, hopefully with this now, like you can make a film in Italy that could be probably criticizing the government or something. And you don't have to worry about it being censored. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and China is the biggest culprit of that right now that we visually see. We see it 
with their, you know, the news story that you just mentioned, also with Top Gun, where they remove certain aspects of the of the flags that uh, Tom Cruise wears on his jacket, and it's it's a difficult dis- discussion, but it all comes down to his money as well, and and who's uh, who's funding these big budget films too. For sure, and you know, and we have our episode uh, that we did in twenty nineteen. You know, in, in the summer 2019, if you want to go back to look up uh, like some of our, I think it was episode 30 or 29, uh, where we kind of dove into like how Hollywood, you know, appeases to China. And we kind of really dove into that um, and definitely check it out because, you know, that still happens today. Yeah, uh, let's move on to quick updates. So uh, we got Zendaya to voice Lola Bunny in Space Jam, a new legacy. How do you guys feel about Zendaya? Zendaya playing Lola Bunny in the new Space Jam. Shay? Uh, I think she has a... I think she her voice sounds similar enough to Lola Bunny. Um, I mean, I, I know that they're trying to take Lola Bunny in a bit of a different direction this time. So, hey, I'm down for it. I love Zendaya. And uh, I don't imagine her to have, you know, monologue after monologue. I'm sure it'll just be a couple of quick lines here and there. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. Daniel? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, like like we said, like Zendaya is awesome, uh, and I think you know there there are some characters who have such distinct voices, obviously in the Looney Tunes worlds, and you know Eric Bowser does such an amazing job. Also, fellow Canadian uh, who does Bugs and Daffy and Tweety Bird and uh, a bunch of other voices, he, he's awesome. And those voices are so distinct for those characters. But I think a character like Lola Bunny, you know, you could have fun with it. You could, you know, we've seen other characters. I think Kristen Wiig played her too a couple years ago and you know you could have different actors filling in these other roles that aren't you know uh, you know super identified by the voices that play them right 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 right. uh phoebe waller bridge will star alongside harrison ford in the fifth indiana jones adventure this was a this was this was this week that came out and a lot of people were excited for phoebe waller bridge you know she's had her 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 star power kind of risen with her show and um now she's going to be starring alongside Harrison Ford and the next next Indiana Jones. Do you think she'll play the villain or she she's going to be a heroic character? What are you I don't what are know. you guys thoughts? You know, I I was curious. I'm like is she going to play is she going to be on is she going to be a good guy or a bad guy and you know, I could see it either way. You know, this this Indiana Jones movie is probably going to take place in what the 70s uh because you know, Harrison Ford is going to be like 80 years old when he's in this movie. Um, so I could see it either way. Um, I don't think we're going to see Shia LaBeouf in this film. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She, she's really funny. She's great. And um, I've saw a lot of, not a lot, I should say. I should be specific what I say. I saw, again, a very small and loud group on the internet complaining like, oh, Indiana Jones is going woke. I'm like, but. I mean, is that how you react when a female character is cast on something? It's it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Um, I can't wait for this. James Mangold is going to kill it, and I am so excited to see what he does with it. Love Indiana Jones. Yeah, I can't wait to see his vision of Indiana Jones. Um, Netflix buys Kanye West's documentary for $30 million. Now, throughout the years, we've been watching Kanye West and his his life kind of show up on Twitter or or on social media and TMZ and whatever. Uh, But one big thing that we, we 
did see and we knew was that he always had someone around him recording him. Um, and this seems like going to be that documentary where all that videotape or lost footage that he's built up throughout the years is going to come come in play. Um, how do you, how, Shay, how do you feel about Netflix buying Kanye West's documentary? Uh, I think it's a smart move for them. They have a great, I mean, we've always talked about how good Netflix's documentaries have been. Um, we had the Biggie one that just came out recently. I really hope this Kanye West one, uh, now that you bring it up, Anthony, that he's had a camera crew following him around. I hope in some form it's unbiased because if this is a Kanye West produced documentary, I can only imagine how absolutely crazy it would be and just how ludicrous this whole documentary would be. Um, he's still pretty much at the forefront of everything in media right now. I mean, his public uh, divorce with Kim Kardashian is still happening. And man, uh, this is a, a very interesting time. So, and he also just came off of a presidential loss. So, uh, <laughs> and let's, a divorce. See, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm v- and a divorce. So, I'm, I'm very curious as to what this is going to look like. But this is totally in Netflix's wheelhouse. And I feel like $30 million for a Kanye documentary for them is, is just chump change. Do you guys remember when Kanye was supposed to come out with a movie for Yeezus, directed you, by Hype Williams? Do you remember when he was supposed to come out with his $30 million other albums that yeah. he announces? Uh, $30 million so albums is a, that haven't come out yet. Man, $30 million is too damn much, though. My God. Netflix, Netflix man, like they're just... They're just throwing money at things. And again, it works for them. It gets people to subscribe. So good on them. But my God, $30 million. Yeah. Uh, last update, the Purge 5, the Forever Purge, up a week <laughs> to... <laughs> what a name, man. What a name. The Forever Purge. Is that like... Does this, that is, it's like does Batman that Forever. The Purge just lasts forever and ever. Um, up a week to July 2nd, following Top Gun's... Top Gun's second recently announced delay. So uh, with Top Gun being delayed, uh, the Purge 5 has now moved up a week to July 2nd. Uh, That is the last update for this week. I'm going to kick it off to Daniel for some box office. Yes, hello, box office. We're back. It's been a while since we've done box office. We didn't even do like the the cha-ching. You know, we'll save that for when we're in person, but uh, Godzilla vs. Kong sets pandemic record with 48.5 million debut. This is coming from Rebecca Rubin of Variety. Godzilla vs. Kong muscled its way to a pandemic-era box office record, giving Hollywood studios and theater owners alike hope that people are ready to return to movies after a year of watching Netflix at home. The tentpole from Warner Brothers and Legendary Entertainment generated $32 million over the weekend and $48.5 million in its first five days of release that exceeded the industry expectations and easily marked the biggest debut since coronavirus hit prior to this weekend wonder woman 1984 had the biggest three-day start with 16.7 million followed by tom and jerry with 14 million it is and uh, godzilla versus kong is currently sitting at 297 million worldwide which is crazy uh it's also interesting that all the top box office films are all from warner brothers as well yeah, definitely. That's a, that's some crazy money, and that just says a lot. There's a lot, you know, with the with the next coming months, and you know, movies starting to hit theaters again. This is very promising for um for the movie industry to start getting gaining that box office action again that was so missed last year. 
Let's move on to trailers. 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 <laughs> I had to hold mine longer because I knew Shay was on a bit of a delay. So, uh, thank you for whoever was who was whoever's listening to this episode. Um, you get to hear my nice long uh, trailers voice. Shay right now is that guy on CNN who you know when they're interviewing, he's like five five minute delay and then kicks in. We're just. I feel like my patient. internet right now is like like I'm in Afghanistan or something. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, guys, I can hear you. Um, yeah, yeah. Hold on, are we yep. rolling? Like it feels uh, like that right now. Can they can they hear me? Okay. So yeah, we've had it, we've been out for about a week and a half. So there was quite a bit of trailers that happened last week and then this week. So let's go through all of them. We have Space Jam, New Legacy, Black Widow, Batman: The Long Halloween, Cruella. Those Who Wish Me Dead, we got a Ghostbusters Afterlife clip, which was very cute and funny, uh, Jupiter's Legacy, Monster, and Loki. So which, which trailers stand out to you guys? Which ones do you want to talk sh- about? I think we should just start, you know, right at the top. You know, we were just talking about Space Jam and, uh, you know, we finally got a trailer for this movie because it's been forever and it's coming out in like two months so it's like man like let's see what this or three months let's see what this movie looks like um and it looks a lot like ready player one you know i would i didn't expect it to have like a cg look to it and or you know we knew that they said there may be cameos from other warner brothers properties but you know they weren't kidding it literally looked straight up like a ready player a scene out of ready player one where every single property ever to be in a warner brothers film is showing up here you know i think i even saw like characters from like the town you know ben affleck's there too no like way. characters from art no i'm kidding because oh. there <laughs> was like, there was the clockwork orange guys which is interesting because they're not really friendly people and they're no they're rapists they're, they're rapists do they not realize and, that do, do people not I don't watch know. these movies this is a kid's I film don't know. and and it's interesting because you know we we were kind of talking about you know like pepe Le Pew's not in it uh, but I'm like, but why are you having those characters in the background? Okay, it just it's it's an interesting it's an interesting just comparison. Um, I think it looks really fun. The movie, I think it looks really fun. It it looks ridiculous. Like the plot is Don Cheadle wants LeBron James's followers, so he kidnapped his kids. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, it looks it looks a lot of fun. I hope it's great, and I'm rooting for this movie to be good. You know, Ryan Coogler's a producer on it. I really want it to be good, but you know. Holding your breath until we see it. Shay, I know you're a huge fan of Space Jam. What do you think about it? Dude, I'm I'm ready to slam. I'm ready to slam. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm excited for this. I think this looks like a really fun film. Uh is it gonna be good? Probably not. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope that this film absolutely kicks butt. I did find the clockwork orange guy is a little bizarre in the film um not only for the fact that they're rapists but also the fact that who really talks about them why would they want to appear like who who was the guy that was like yeah we should we should put them in the movie because uh, kids love that film like that that right. to me was just super bizarre so uh, i'm curious to see what happens uh it's always good to see the iron giant get some love and respect because that film is a is a is a great movie and it's super underrated, but um, yeah, let's see what happens. It's so funny to see the Iron Giant. He's always when he comes when he shows up to these movies, he's just destroying things. Yeah, and his, his, his whole purpose yeah. is not to be a weapon, but it seems like he's like 
crushing anything that's in his path. Yeah. Um, also, we, we noticed the King Kong in this trailer looks completely different than the King Kong in the actual King Kong or Godzilla versus King Kong. Right. Which it doesn't create consistency. It's like, well, if you have this, if this is your King Kong vision, this should be the same. He looks too animated in this yeah. Space Jam feel. Right. I don't know. Man, I just want Henry Cavill to show up and play ball with LeBron, man. Like, if Henry Cavill is Superman, isn't in this movie, or Ben Affleck's Batman's just there, just like, like just shooting the ball and using his grapple gun to put it in the net. Um, He's then just what's branding the point? people. Um, but, I, but I think what's interesting, though, um, with this, I am really excited. I think it does look a lot of fun. I mean, the first Space Jam is very light on story, too, but it's just a fun movie, and it's so much a product of its time. I think this one is going to follow in those footsteps. I just kind of wish that it didn't bring in all the properties, though. Mm-hmm. Um, only because, you know, like I think of Ready Player One, which, yes, that works because that's what that film's all about. I loved Lego Batman, but I think the weakest part of Lego Batman is when they started bringing in all the other characters from all the different Warner Brothers properties. Only because it just feels like it turns it into something like, oh, look at all these characters that you know, Warner Brothers owns. And this kind of feels like that a little bit too, where I would have almost preferred it to stay Looney Tunes characters, but if it's fun, I'm all for it. Yeah. But like I, my two cents on it was it, it just felt super, it's just hyper-realistic animation, like almost to the point where you're going to have like a, a conniption of visuals in your face. And I kind of like, the idea of the Space Jam from the the first one just being more toned down and simple and it was animated and I don't know. I just we'll see what happens. I think it's it people are gonna love it, but I just feel it's too too much, too much craziness happening. The next trailer you guys want to talk about is uh Those Who Wish Me Dead. That was a that was a this is the first movie we've seen Angelina Jolie play in a very long time um without you know being mal- maleficent this is more of her her natural appearance and what did you guys think of Chris Terrio's directorial debut those who wish me dead trailer Not Chris Terrio sorry um So Taylor Sheridan Ta- Taylor, Taylor Sheridan the other writer Yeah Taylor Sheridan yeah, Taylor Sheridan he, he's directed uh, before He's directed before yeah Has he Wind River yeah. and uh, yeah. oh, and uh, he created Yellowstone and uh, Hell or High Water. And he directed Fly. Hell or High Water. Yep. My gosh, he didn't direct Hell or High Water. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, Hell or High Water was directed by David McKenzie. Oh, okay, he just wrote it then. So this is written, yeah. directed by Taylor Sheridan. Yeah. So this is which feels second, like a very second big Taylor film Sheridan. after Wind River. Oh yeah. It looks uh, good. I, I mean, thought this trailer was, was... No, go, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, Daniel. Uh, no, yeah, it looks good. Uh, it didn't leave too much to be desired, though. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, this looks interesting. I'm, I'm curious, again, to see when it comes out again. This is going to be another Warner Brothers film. I don't know what to... Ex- like, I, I, I really like Taylor Sheridan. I want this film to be good. I think the trailer was... It like it looks nice, but again, I I just want it to be good, so I I can't really judge too much until we see the full movie. Mm-hmm. Shay, what about you, Shay? 
Uh, yeah, the, the trailer starts off one way and then it totally goes a different direction towards the middle. Uh, so it kind of threw me for a loop. I wasn't able to get a full reaction from this trailer because it just seemed kind of everywhere. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know uh, yet how to feel about it. It doesn't seem completely Taylor Sheridan-esque to me yet. So I'm very curious. Um, you know, this is also, I think other people wrote alongside him in this one and i know it's based on a book as well uh which is a little bit different for him so let's let's see what kind of happens here i'm I'm curious to see where it goes yeah when, when well when i saw this trailer i'm like man this is totally taylor it's like set in the forest he loves his forests he loves his like mountainy areas and then you throw in some interesting people with guns and then you have Angel- angelina jolie playing this um, I want to say fire. She's fire, like a firefighter, right? Firefighter, right? Like she's she's posted at a, a a post that's that manages and looks out for fires in the forest. It just feels very Taylor, just from you know Yellowstone and Wind River, especially with the those assassins that show up out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Loki looks great too. Honestly, this is our our. Uh, I'm I'm so excited for this. You know, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki, and uh, I, this looks great. Honestly, I keep saying honestly. I don't know why. Uh, it looks it looks really really great. Tom Hiddleston looks great. It looks really fun. Super on board for what's happening. Yeah, Owen Wilson being tied into it. Good oh, chemistry. Wow. And what about the Ghostbusters Afterlife clip? Awesome. Like really it's- fun. It's so cute. Those, those, uh, what are they called again? They're, uh, stay puffed, stay puffed. The little mini stay puffs coming out of the bag. Super, super cute. Out this week, we got Big Shot, which is going to be airing on Disney plus Fast and Furious Space Racers on Netflix and Mythic Quest Everlight on Apple TV plus. Let's move on to what we're watching. We're going to start off with Shay. What have you been watching hey. these past two weeks? Yeah, um, I watched Training Day. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched that movie, and I really, really like this movie. Um, after all the talk about the Air cut, I was like, oh, let's go watch one of Air's best written uh, movies. And, I, and I, that was Training Day for me. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a chance to go to a movie theater in Calgary, um, and it was, they were only playing old movies, so I watched The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, it was great to watch that in theaters again. It wasn't a really giant theater or anything like that, but it was kind of cool to just be sitting in a theater. Um, the experience was very unique because it cost $75 to watch the movie, and that gives you three tickets, but it also gives you a private theater. So you don't, you don't have to share the theater with anybody else. And uh, it gives you popcorn and a drink. So me my girlfriend and her sister, we just watched the movie. Um, and then I watched Titanic, Mean Girls, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I went back and revisited Crazy Rich Asians. I was kind of missing this movie. I remember Daniel and I went to go see it in theaters and we had such a good time with it. So it was good. Have to you not seen it, it since honestly, theaters? No, no, I, I've seen it since theaters, but I haven't seen oh, okay. it uh, probably in about a year or so. I'd say maybe maybe a little bit less, but yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, and I really missed it. And I and I really enjoyed this movie, and I watched it again, and I 
I loved it even more this time. <clears throat> I watched Crazy Stupid Love, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Shiva Baby, which uh, I know you guys did a review on. And I went back and rewatched uh, Live by Night, the Ben Affleck directed film, one of his last directed movies. And I remember when this movie came out, I like I enjoyed it. I liked it. But, you know, it was always missing something. There was always that it didn't have Affleck's full quality to it. And I think after watching it this time, I kind of realized a lot of the issues that I have with this movie. But uh, yeah, I still really like it. That's good. I, I, I haven't actually watched Live by Night because you guys reviewed it and told me not to. Um, but uh, <laughs> I've seen certain clips here and there. But what did you what did you think of Shiva Baby? I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good movie. Um, it was very anxiety driven, uh, which really kind of stressed me out a bit. But uh, no, I which I is great to have anxiety and, uh, in in twenty twenty one. You know why not? Why not? Why not? No, <laughs> but I but I but I did enjoy it. I had a good time with it. Cool. What about you, Daniel? What did you watch? Uh, I watched a bunch of random stuff this week. Uh, I, I'm honestly trying to think. I, I feel like I'm missing stuff that I watched because. Like I had a list, but then I lost my list. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about what I remember. Um, this week I watched The Gentleman just because uh, we got trailer for, uh, we got a trailer for, uh, Guy Ritchie's next film, which is going to uh, Wrath of Man, I believe it's called, with uh, Jason Statham. And like, man, like I'm just in the mood for like that, cla- like that classic Guy Ritchie. So I, I put on The Gentleman, which uh, was one of my favorite films from last year. Um, Ted Lasso, I started rewatching again just because I friggin' love Ted Lasso so much. So this is like my fourth time watching it through. Um, on my birthday, you know, I was with the family and I was just like, man, like, what's a good, like, classic movie that just kind of makes me think of my childhood? So I put on Mrs. Doubtfire, which is just, man, it just made me miss Robin Williams so much. And also just, I realized, like, Mrs. Doubtfire is such a, it's such a silly movie, but like, there's, like, that movie would never work today. It's such a movie of its time. But I think it's so classic that it it's almost because because it's so pure and genuine, it almost you can't criticize it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there's things that would not work today, but it's just such a, a such a feel good family movie that, you know, I, I love that film. Um, I also put on Meet the Parents and Chef also on my birthday. So I had a nice uh you no know, trilogy of films that I put on there. Um also been watching uh, Big Shots, which Today is the embargo for, so we could we were allowed to talk about it. Big shots coming out this week, like we said on Disney Plus. We watched the or I, I watched the first three episodes of it this week. The first episode comes out. It's starring John Stamos um, coming on Disney Plus. He's playing like a basketball coach who gets fired for I guess his anger and throwing a chair at a referee during a college game, and now he is coaching a girls' uh, high school basketball team. And, you know, it's it's great. You know, John Stamos is, is really fun in it. Uh, you know, you, you start to learn a lot about the kids and their backgrounds, too. And it's funny watching this while also watching the Mighty Ducks series because these girls are actually really good at playing basketball, where the Mighty Ducks, like, they suck at playing hockey. So it's just like, I was expecting them, like, to not play well, but I'm like, oh, they're actually a great basketball team, so that's good. Uh, and you just learn a lot more about John Stamos's character and just, know his family and things like that and it's it's a it's a feel-good show I, i'm really digging it um also of course shiva baby which uh anthony uh anthony and i um we reviewed it this week so check out a review of that and as you know i started re-watching young justice as well because that is also a phenomenal show very cool 
Sorry, I take- I, for- I forgot to mention. I also watched um a f- the first two episodes of Young Justice uh, based on Daniel's um, recommendation, and I really liked it. Really liked it a lot. I've only been telling you for ten years, man. It's only taken you ten years. Hey, listen. Is, so good things uh, come with time. What's Young Justice about? Uh, so Young Justice is an animated show um, where it puts uh, characters like Robin, uh, Kid Flash, Aqualad, uh, Miss Martian in the forefront. But the Justice League is very present too. Um, I, I would say it's probably the best animated superhero show since the you know the Bruce Tim Justice League uh, mm, wow. shows. It is I, Anthony. I think you dig it. Honestly, it's so well done. The first two seasons are on Netflix. Uh, the third season, you could watch it on, I believe, Teletoon and on Stacked if you subscribe to it through Amazon Prime, um, because it's like an HBO Max or it was a DC Universe show. But season, like they basically the two seasons came out, they canceled it because, which is ridiculous. This going back to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers canceled the show because the toy sales were it was too one the toy sales weren't amazing for it. Also. It was too popular with females, if you could believe that. But they canceled it because actually it had a really big female viewership and they wanted boys to be watching it, which is ridiculous. Um, so after so a lot of after a lot of fan campaigns, and again, this is this is a this is a pattern with Warner Brothers, you know, after a lot of fan campaigning, um, the show was brought back and it's awesome. It's so well done. Like these are like this is the iter- that has some of the best iterations of DC characters, and this is how you start an established universe of characters. Like you're starting the show, Batman's already been around, Superman's been around for ten years. Um, all these characters exist, but now you're getting to get to focus on like the the sidekicks, and it's about the sidekicks wanting to, you know, build a legacy of their own, and it's so damn good. I think you I, I think you dig it, Anthony, and um, the third season especially because it was on DC Universe, it's it's mature. It's it's like a R-rated show now with these characters. So oh, it's very cool. it's really cool, but it's R-rated, but it's also not like it's not like gratuitous. It's just more like, oh, we could show more violence now with these characters because you've grown older with them. I mean, the show started airing in what, like 2010, 2011, then it was off the air for like seven or eight years. Um it was also created by Greg Weissman, who did uh Gargoyles, who did uh, he did Young Justice. He worked on Star Wars Rebels and uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. So, like, he's awesome, and I can't recommend the show enough. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, for me, I've been watching. Well, I'm going to tell you what I've watched for the past two weeks. So, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. I put on King uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. Unholy. I started a new TV series called Warrior which um, it airs on uh, Crave or in the States, HBO Max. And I actually really dug this series. So it's a martial arts crime drama based on the writings of Bruce Lee. And it's created by Jonathan Troper, who's known for the Banshee series. I don't know if you guys ever remember Banshee series, but it was on, I think, um, Cinemax. And it's set in the late 1870s in San Francisco. And the series follows character named Assam, a martial arts like master who who traveled or immigrates to America to find his sister um, who he realizes is now, uh, you know, leads the biggest gang in Chinatown. So it's this huge dynamic of 
brother versus sister type of thing. And other characters are also involved. And there's a lot of, you know, political commentary with racism happening during that time. And um, there's the Irish who are looking for jobs, but are being, you know, replaced with Chinese labor because it's cheaper. So it's, it's a really, really interesting dynamic. Um, plus the martial arts sequences are really good. They're like raid style martial arts sequences. And it's like one of those continuous shot type of sequences as well. So it's very well choreographed, super, super brutal. Like the show is, is brutal. So you will see decapitations, you'll see people being sliced up, axes to the head, um, and is very mature, very, very mature. And the series, like I said, it originally aired on Cinemax, but was canceled due to Cinemax's um, wanting to produce less original programming during the pandemic. So there's only two series, uh, two seasons at this moment, which is on Crave. But good news is HBO, who owns Cinemax, took the series under the HBO Max wing, and hopefully we get a season three, which I'm looking forward to. Now that there's more people watching it, hopefully we can get a, a new a new season out of it because it's so well done and it's one of the you know hidden gems out there for TV series. That's awesome. Um, I put on the raid two, which I've never watched before. So I watched that really enjoyed it. Shiva baby, the Falcon and the winter soldier, as well as I finished off season two of Snowpiercer, which ended off really, really well. Hopefully, um, well, I know there will be a season three, but hopefully we, we see that very soon too. Cause, uh, I love Snowpiercer, the TV series. It's just a different version of Snowpiercer storyline, but um, really, really well uh, produced story. That's awesome, man. Anthony, yeah. Isn't it I'm crazy so ex- how the raid? Sorry, I was just going to say, isn't it crazy how the raid two is only has like a five million dollar budget? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I th- I would have thought like forty, fifty million dollar budget for that movie. It's so I've- good, and and that's what I was going to say. Like I I I'm I'm really hoping that we get news on like. A raid three one day or just you know because they were supposed to be like the american remake but it's like why why do we need this right. these films already exist so we don't need that it's so good so good no i thought like the the fight sequences are good i enjoy the the raid more than raid two i just I feel, feel like it's more really, brutal they're different you know they're they're very different movies to me yes um, like i mean like the two is like it has the action that you expect but it's almost has like a uh, like a scorsese like drama to it where it feels like that with like raid level action where the first raid is just more no story just what was the tagline for the movie or something like that it was like 90 minutes of like like 99 minutes of action one minute of romance i think yeah exactly something like that it's so funny um where the second one is a lot more just story driven but also with amazing action yeah and just to kind of finish off here, I didn't really, I didn't partake in the Godzilla versus King Kong review, and I did watch it, and I did not like it. Uh, <laughs> you th- made that, it is, like- that is my two cents. <laughs> on this. You made it sound. You made it sound like you were banished from the review. You know, no, no, like it was a banish. Yeah, this is this is my this is my statements on uh, on Godzilla versus Kong. Is not yeah. my lawyer says that I can I can say this about the movie. <laughs> But man, I, I just did not enjoy Godzilla versus King no. Kong. I, I enjoyed the this the action like the, the battle. Yes. 
but everything else, the characters, the story, the how they got there, man, it was just trash. Like they could have just literally made a movie of a hey, Godzilla <laughs> was coming out of the water and King Kong was in the fucking jungle and they just said, "Hey, you want to go at it? Let's do it." And then and I think that would have been a better movie. This whole fucking storyline of these characters and it just it was so disconnected so disconnected but with, you know, with stories like this it's like less is more yeah you know the movie is called godzilla versus kong and it literally suffers from the exact same issues that batman versus superman has where it's like let's focus 85 percent of the movie on things that literally do not matter things that literally are not interesting to watch and have only about 15 or 20 percent of the film be what the, what you paid a ticket to watch, right? And you know, right. I, I've been thinking about this movie. I thought about it a couple times um, since watching it, and I was just like, "Man, like, there's fun. There's a, whenever they're fighting, it's so fun." But like, it was just one of those films that I'm watching. And I'm like, "Man, like, why is this so convoluted? Like, why why is this subplot happening? Why are these characters here? Just it just it needs focus and just bring it in. Like, you have these two titans fighting." That's what people are paying to see. Like, there's no need to to you know to take the scenic route for things like that. You know, like you're okay to have a simple movie of these characters fighting. Nobody's going to fault a movie of Godzilla versus Kong for having too much Godzilla versus Kong. Right, and it it lost me with with the whole scene. Like, if I were to look at the first Godzilla, which came out what 2017, 2018. It was so much serious. Like I, I took 2014. that movie, 2014. Yeah. I took that movie like seriously. I'm like, damn, this this looks dark. It looks like this could happen now. And you put the last two films, and they're just become very gimmicky and very commercialized and cheap. And that's how I took it. For sure. Well, that was this time, or that was the movie podcast. Um, every Monday, you could catch a new episode every Monday across your favorite podcast services. If you want to be part of the show, give us your comments, suggestions, corrections. Head over to at the movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter and write into the show. Remember, the movie podcast is on a mission to hit 200 Apple Podcast review before September. So please head over to our show page on Apple Podcasts. So so many have have already left amazing uh, feedback and we're always looking for more and we just want to grow that number and grow our audience so we can do this more often for you guys. But that was this time with the movie podcast. And we shall see you next for our 100th episode.